Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, let's see, Derek, it's September mm-hmm. already. I know. It's that time of year when, like, this September, in my mind, always comes back to me of... of uh, start of school the the first month that the, you start getting the little skims of ice on the puddles i remember waiting for the buses in the morning you get the walking down to the school bus stop and there's like little you know the, there's a little glissing of ice and it's, it's the right time of year where you start going picking apples and uh morning frost yes on your windshields and stuff yeah yeah no it's that time of year and uh you know it's getting chillier and colder weather's on its way the shoulder season as we like to call it yes for paddling yeah, what's um, summer just broke about two weeks ago. We stopped from hot, hot, hot till nice, comfy. I love this weather. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It, this has been a weird summer for us because we always take our, our couple weeks holidays at the end of August. So when we get back from holidays, we're right into school. Yes. Yeah. Well, this year we took our holidays right at the beginning of the yeah, summer. Yeah, you did your summer backwards, eh? Yeah. And it, so it's, it's been kind of weird. So it's not really feeling like a regular year this year. You know, like, okay, well, yeah, it's September, but it really doesn't feel like September because we've been off of holidays for so long, yeah. right? Uh, but like I say, it's it's colder weather's coming here. If you are going out paddling, be it uh, kayaks, canoes, stand-up paddle boards, what have you, remember the water is getting colder, the air is getting colder. And uh, it's something you got to be dressing for properly now. Yes, you have to be, like the the water's going to be cooling off slowly, but nighttime temperatures are really going to be a shocker. Like uh, I'm planning a few trips into the fall and I have to start remembering that I have to bring a jacket. (laughs) Yeah, you can leave your bikini at home, Derek. uh... Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, you, you got to be remembering the, the extra couple of layers, right? Yeah. Especially at nights when it's getting cooler and, and whatnot. But I mean, even still, if you're going for an afternoon swim and the air is getting cooler in the evening, you don't want to be walking around thinking you're going to be fine and dandy because the air is getting cooler and yep. you're wet. Yeah. Right? Start so get, who's going to start getting frost that night. Yeah. So you got any, uh, fall trips planned? I do. Uh, right now we, uh, well... I've mentioned many times in the past to me and a bunch of guys from work, we, uh, we do this fall trip. Uh, we usually it's north of Sudbury or in Algonquin Park. This year, the guys have planned for, uh, we're tentatively planned for the Petawawa River in, uh, Algonquin Park in through Lake Traverse and down, but I'm going to try and convince them to go into the QE2 wildlands. I, uh, we went there for that day trip with Camper Christina yeah. and, uh, I, I really want to see more of this park. So I'm, uh, the, I want to go into QE2 Wildlands in mid-September with the guys at work, if I can convince them. So, and it should be easy. The, the guys don't care where they go. As and, long as they go. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I want to get into QE2 Wildlands in mid-October with, uh, the, uh, uh, a friend of mine who was the best man at my wedding. Well, that should be good. I mean, there's enough information out there. You should be able to uh, find some uh, trip uh, trip routes and that. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, if there's anybody out there, it's done. You're going for what, four days? Yes. So it's going to be yeah, Monday through Friday. And in, so into QE2 for this month. And in October with Barb, it's going to be, uh, well, we're probably just a long weekend when she can make it up. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, we've got... I'm actually taking my wife on her first interior trip the oh. end of September, her birthday weekend. You've never been on an interior trip with your wife? She's never gone, no. Huh. So that's why we bought the new canoe and everything. And well, someone's always been home to watch the kids, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so we got the new canoe there and we're going to, I'm going to take her up and let's see, so you can see what uh, interior canoe tripping is, is like. Um, I think we're just going to be something easy to start. It's not going to be anything... But she's, you, go, you always go car camping. So oh, it's we just, go car camping and all that. So. There's really not many differences. No, no, not at all. You know, just, you're not going to the local 7-Eleven for a bag of ice. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or going down the road yeah. for for some wood sort of thing. So I, th- I think she'll have an absolute blast. There's there's no doubt about that. And then uh, Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. It's my birthday weekend, so I always do a trip. And I think this year I'm going to go back to uh, do another solo trip this year. Um, oh, when are you going to go? Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the, the, uh, the Eighth, guy's ninth. solo weekend? No, this, or is that's this usually solo, it, but solo. I'm just going to do it solo. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my original roots and 
it's going to be my solo by myself nice. sort of weekend thing, I think. That's how but I started out too. It's like, still a couple months away, or a month, I guess it's a month, yeah, month away. Yeah. So I've, uh, things may change between now and then. I may end up with a giant party filled with people, <laughs> but, because uh, that's what happened before. Uh, but no, when I first started taking that Thanksgiving weekend off, um, it always been like two, three days and I'd go up by myself and just find a little route and do it. But then a few people wanted to come along. So we all took our own canoes and there was one person per canoe, even if it was a tandem. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like three or four of us would uh, well, head did on that up trip and with you. yeah, yeah, you came along the ones. Um, and yeah, just do that. But like I say, I think I'll, I'll get back and find a nice little four day route and just take my time and, you know, Get some alone time and relax yeah. and not have to worry about stuff. And I miss the solo trips. I, uh, when I first uh, moved to Ontario and I first started canoe tripping, I, uh, all of my initial trips were all solo trips and, uh, and it's one of those things I've always missed. I, I haven't done a solo trip in a long time. Yeah. I've done, I did one a few years back. I did, uh, went up to Algonquin and did, um, it was supposed to be a three day trip, but, uh, the last day, all the campsites along the, the day, the route on the day out or the, the third day, there was no sites left. Oh yeah. So I ended up just, okay, well go to the next site, go to the next site, go to the next, before I knew it, there was my car. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, might as well just head home at that point. Really. <laughs> I go any further, I have to pass my car <laughs> yeah, to find yeah. the campsite. I just portaged past my car and kept on going. Um, I did that one. That was a few years ago, but yeah, it's been a while since I've done a really nice long trip, but I got so many people that want to go tripping. Same here. That, you know, they, yeah. oh, you're going, I've never been in October and the, the colors are going to be out and all that. Well, okay. Yeah. Come on. We'll, we'll, we'll make a tandem out of it. Oh, you got a couple of buddies. That, yeah. Come on. We might as well make, you know, the more the merrier. And so all of a sudden the solo trip turns into like four people yeah. or yeah. whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden it's going from two days to four days to six days. Well, we might as well just make it a full 10. (laughs) (laughs) How did that happen? I was going out for a weekend by myself. Next thing I know, 10 days later, there's four of us coming back. Um, Yeah. 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 It'll it'll be good. It'll be good. Nice to get out and it won't be anything too hectic. It'll just be nice thing. Yeah. I mean, usually when I'm out there too, there's end up doing work of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. And we're throwing ideas around for, you know, this, that, and the other thing and (sighs) <sighs> well, for me, I often use it for just to reconnect with people. Like, uh, like I was saying, the Barb Farrell, she, uh, she was the best man at my wedding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's, we usually try and do a trip every year or two and just to get out, go camping, catch up, see what's going on, talk about each other's kids and stuff like that. So, uh, I'm going to try and get out with her in October and, uh, been trying to plan a trip with her all summer. It just hasn't lined up, right? Different vacations, different timelines. Yeah. So... Hopefully I get her into the QE2 and, and, uh, check out more of that park. I'm really fascinated by the QE2. It's, uh, I, it, it's funny. I, I learned about QE2 was, I think spring. I never even knew it existed. So now I'm really, I'm really fascinated by the park. So I want to get back in there. I think, uh, is it Brad Jennings and his dad? Yes. Do you want to chat with them? Drop them a line. They're on Facebook and that. Yeah. And they'd probably be able to give you some good routes to do. Yeah, we heard them talk at the... Um, canoe Symposium. Canoe Symposium. Yeah, the Kitchener Waterloo, Waterloo Canoe Symposium yeah. a few years ago. Uh, actually, that, I think that was the year that uh, I presented Woodland Caribou. Yeah. Was that year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah drop them a line because they'll give you some, definitely give some stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing... Um, like I say, I'll just do somewhere easy in, in Algonquin Park when I take take uh, my wife there. But yeah, the solo one, I was even thinking I might go a bit farther north. But now I was thinking even next year, take uh, a week or some and maybe end up doing um, Lake Superior oh, yeah. National Park there. Or Provincial Parks National Park, I can never remember. But hit a bunch of spots in there. Just pull the trail up there, do a, a base solo? camp. A base camp solo? No, I'll take a few people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then we'll just take the canoes out. We're going to this lake today. We're going to this river today. Yeah. We're going to this. We're going to go out in the Lake Superior this, today, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's next year. But uh, yeah, so there's at least two trips left this year in me. And uh, like I say, it's getting colder, so be prepared. And <laughs> Winter's coming. Yeah, winter's coming. Winter's coming. Um, but in the meantime, we been learning a few things. Yes, let's get right down to it. Let's get right down to this. Last October, 
um, episode 37. Is it that long ago? That long ago. This is episode 82. So episode 37, which is like a <laughs> lifetime ago now. We're going, yeah, episode 37, we're going, yeah, this ain't going to much last much longer. Well, I'm here we are. That, I'm amazed that it was a lot long ago. Yeah. So it was a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, 11 months ago. Yeah, 11 months ago. Yeah. Just last year. You yeah. get yourself an education, my boy. Doing mathematics now? But I'm surprised it was that long ago because I remember us talking about it and trying to plan this. Well, yeah. So I came across an article, a Field and Stream article, and they were talking about the lost art of canoe polling. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Uh, so I read the article. I started doing some research on it, Googling and, and all that, watching some videos and... I saw these guys in rapids standing in their canoes with a 12-foot wooden pole just standing there. Yeah. They weren't moving anywhere. They were just like braced there, like so easy peasy. Yeah. And then they were going up the rapids and then they would turn around and they'd come down the rapids <laughs> and then they would pull back up the rapids and they'd go side to side. And I'm thinking like, this is pretty awesome. And weird. <laughs> weird and awesome. And that's right up my alley because, dude, I'm weird and awesome. <laughs> Trust me. Ask anybody I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can confirm. Um, so I started doing some research and, like, you know, we put, a, we, we put an episode together and, and talked about canoe polling. Yep. You know, and a few people were like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, like you should, you should find out who, who teaches. Um, so I figured, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Got a bit busy and put it on the bed of a back burner, but then, uh, yes, started looking into it and I reached out to Paddle Canada because they actually have a, a part on their website. When you go to the website, they have the courses and a little drop down menus and stuff like that. And they didn't have any courses listed that says canoe polling, but there was yeah. no courses listed. So I dropped them an email and said, listen, are you guys teaching it this summer at all? And I guess there's just not enough um, interest, knowledge, interest in awareness. It. Yeah. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. A yeah. lot of people aren't really aware of what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's not a big draw for it. But they said there's two people in Ontario that teach it. And there's only two people in all of Ontario that teach it. <laughs> one's in Kingston, one's in Guelph. Here's their names. Here's their email addresses. Shoot them a message and see if they're available. It's prolific water sport. <laughs> so I, I I ended up sending an email to the fella in Guelph named Stephen Coots. And I sent him an email saying, hey, you know, off Paddle Canada, they sent me your, gave me your info and said what I'm looking at and, you know, what's it all about and, and whatnot. And we exchanged emails for a while and he talked, you know, said, this is what it is, what we can do. And you get your basic, your intermediate, and then you practice for ever. And then we come back and you do your, your advanced. And if you want to even go farther, you know, you can do train your, your instructors, that sort of stuff. And I figure, well, you know what, like, can you do all three of them, you know, your basic, intermediate, advanced in a weekend? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> right? And he goes, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. You really got to practice. Um, so, you know what, I, he says, Get some guys together and we'll set up some dates and some times. And if, if there's enough interest in it, then we'll make a weekend of it. Yeah. We'll give you your, your skills and take you out there, show you how to do it, teach you and the whole meal deal. And that's what we did. And it worked out well. It worked out really well. We gathered an amazing group of people. We the had an, week, an amazing instructor. The weekend, the weather, like you, oh. after the weather we had at the beginning of this year, this summer. Yeah. All I'm thinking is, oh man, it's going to be We're going to crap, die. crap, crap. We're all going to die. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it wasn't we too could hot. Not have asked. It wasn't cold. It didn't rain. Yeah, it was like mid twenties, low to mid twenties. Yeah, it was sunshine. There was oh, you could not have asked for a better weather. Because honestly, if it had rained or it had been chilly, it could have been, it would have been a completely different event. I, yeah. I think it would have been, I don't think it would have been yeah. as much fun trying to learn that yeah. stuff. And so w what it was, is it enabled us to, uh, we didn't have to think about the weather. The weather was just in the background and we got to focus completely on canoe pulling. Yep. And it was fun. 
So we contact, I mean, there's, there's a couple people I, I mentioned it and, um, they said, yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. Keep me in mind. Keep me in mind. Uh, of course, Jim Baird, who was interested in it, um, was, you know, coming off his big win from alone. Yep. Um, and then they were out doing a yeah, couple of hikes doing and a lot of trips and, and stuff like that. Right. He's so got he, a full calendar. His, his calendar didn't line up. Uh, David Lee, the passionate paddler, his calendar didn't measure up with ours and uh, whatnot. So I'm like, okay, because those are two guys I know would have loved this sort yeah. of thing. Uh, Matt Olson, Paddle In. Yep. So as Paddle In. He was right in. He's put his name down. Dwayne Sontag, also the, the camping family. Yes. Sent him a message and he said, yeah, I'm up for that. We'll give that a whirl. So there was the four of us. Uh, Alan Drummond of Kingdom Outdoor Products. He's a friend of Stevens and Stevens has been trying to get him out for a while. So he joined us on the Saturday. Um, and so we, we met in Guelph on the Saturday yeah. at the Speed River. Uh, that's where, that's where we did it. And it was, a, there was a small, nice, calm so, section yeah, of river. Slow, calm, yeah. shallow water section. Perfect for practice. Yeah, it was only a couple of feet deep. Yeah. So to, to practice and we were just learning all the basic stuff there. Um, and there was a couple, like, as, as you go down from that, there was a couple of swifts and stuff that you could go learn and, and different skills and whatnot, try some stuff. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, we just got out on the river there and Stephen would show us different skills, uh, to, to do. And we would, then we'd all practice them and then we'd all get back together and he'd show us another, another piece of this puzzle and yep. practice. And then, yeah, we're zipping around at the end of the day there and. You know, it was very organized. He, uh, it, it's, it, he's, he told us that it was his first official class. His first, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's taught, taught friends people, and yeah. But whatnot. this is the first time. And you know what? He was an amazing instructor. He, he walked through the process. He showed us all the skills. And so he slowly built our skills exactly like you were on any professional course. And you wouldn't know that this was the first one that he was actually officially running through Paddle Canada. And so he, he's, he's obviously very experienced at canoe polling. He's oh, got, just watch him on the water. He's got the personality for it. He's an amazing guy. So yeah. it, uh, everything came together so well and, and he made it so easy to learn. He did. And you know what? He's got such a passion for it as well. It's like, oh, absolutely. It's like, this is just, you know, the cat's meow for him. Um, I don't know. Did he actually have a paddle in his boat? No. I, oh, he did. Yes, he did. did he, he, have had one? A, he had a, he had a three piece plastic paddle. Okay. Oh, well, I wasn't sure. Paddle, you know, yeah. I mean, there was one part, uh, on the Sunday when we were going down, um, and I took a good wipe out. Oh yeah. And, uh, he ferried across that river. Like I couldn't have run that distance faster. <laughs> he just came ripping straight across yep. and boom, dead stop. And, yep. you know, just make sure I was still alive. That sort He's of thing. He's very skilled at it. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, just watching him maneuver it's that second thing. second nature. It, it was, it was phenomenal, you know, uh, just watching him move that thing in the water. Um, but yeah, so basically you're, you know, we started out and he showed us, you know, here's the, the 12 foot wood poles that you're using. There's a caps on either end with little, uh, pieces sticking out that you can jam into the rock bottom and stuff like that. Um, you know, told us how to stand in our canoe, make sure we had all the gear, you do all your stretching and everything. And then out in the water we went and standing up with their poles taught us about our balance. Yep. And, you know, then, and like you say, he started teaching us a piece of the puzzle each time. You know, first, we're going to teach you how to move forward. Second, we're going to teach you how to move backwards. And we're going to teach you how to move sideways. Then turning, you know, turning the canoe, using yourself as a pivot and turning the canoe with your feet while you're planting the pole. The trimming of the canoe, ferrying across the river, tilting the hull to allow the water to pass by and and whatnot, lessen the drag yep. and the, you know, that sort exactly. of stuff. And, and throughout the day, and I couldn't believe it was over. The first day was over when it was over. Like we had learned <laughs> oh, so much. I was happy when the first day was over. <laughs> I was so exhausted. Like it, it's, uh, you know, if, if, when you're good at something, you don't really pay attention to the skills that's behind what you do. But when you are starting out and doing something for the first time, like it was this huge insurmountable amount of energy that I was putting into everything. I was, I was working too hard at everything I did because I didn't have the skills. So I was bulldozing through it like a bull in a china shop, right? Oh, the moving forward part is where I expend the most yes. energy. Um, 
but yeah, oh yeah, you 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 find that that you're using muscles that you don't really use, and you're standing up all day, all day slightly long. bent at the knees. Yeah, you know the arches and of your feet are aching, and before lunch, yeah, we the way you're you're doing, I was yeah. doing things, my feet, oh man, yeah. And slowly I learned to stay flat-footed, not get up on my toes to turn the canoe and yeah. and not to, you know, you, you learn to use the full flat of your feet without using any of your arches to do any lifting or movements. And, and once you learn efficiencies, it gets so easy. And I, I got to say, I was impressed with the amount and quality of control I had over the boat with that pole. Because you, you, I, I've, you know, I've been paddling a canoe with paddles for as long as I've been paddling a canoe and there's always a bit of slippage. There are always, you know, you're always, you know, if you're with a bad bow paddler, you're always doing way too many J strokes. You're always wasting so much energy just trying to keep the canoe straight. Right. So you're yeah. just, you're pushing a lot of water and then with the pole, it's like you're, it, it's anybody who drives a standard transmission will understand what I'm talking about. There's a certain connection to the road as though there's a, there's a specific pleasure in driving a standard transmission car on a road, as opposed to driving an automatic. You have a certain amount of slippage with an automatic. With a standard transmission, you are locked to the road. So it's, it's that kind of difference between a paddle and the pole. I still love paddling. I'm always going to like paddling. Oh, I'm yeah. still going to, but it's, it, pulling a canoe is something that I am going to explore a lot in the future. I find it fascinating. I find it, there's a, there's a certain pleasure in doing it. Something that, uh, I, I never, you know, when I first heard about this, I thought, well, kind of crackpot joke is this that Sean's throwing <laughs> at me now. Right. But no, this is an amazing thing. And, and like I talking to, uh, Dwayne and Matt afterwards, I, they, we were all saying to each other, this like, I can't believe I never knew about this. Why didn't I know about this sooner? This is amazing. So it's, it's something that, and it's something that's so easy to get out on a shallow river. Obviously you're in shallow water doing pulling, but even with deep water, you can still paddle like, a, like kayak style with the pole. So you still have movement in deeper water, like you're, so you're not stuck, right? So it's almost like you have a Greenland paddle. Yeah, but yeah, because we're we're standing there going down a couple of deeper sections yeah, of the, it got deep, the river. Yeah, so you were just paddling just like paddling a kayak. like it was almost like you're standing with but a, you're in a kayak. But you're always standing up. So it 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 just amazes me the control I had and the the positive contact with the with the riverbed. So it's it's interesting. It's like a combination of of canoeing and stand up paddleboard. Even though I haven't done stand up paddleboard, we're going to do that we're soon. We're going to do that. Yeah. But it's you're standing up and you're paddling or you're pulling, and so it's it's like a cross between the two the two disciplines, right? It's a it's a fascinating fascinating thing, and I I have got to get out and do this more. When we were talking afterwards, I think everybody said, "I got us look at getting a pole." Yes. Yeah. And I got to correct you on one, one thing about the always standing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the premise of the idea. Who fell what? the most? Uh, the, who fell the most? That would be Alan Drummond. The kayaker. The kayaker. And we were making fun of him. <laughs> we have nothing against kayakers just cause we're canoe trippers, but we, 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 we've made a couple of comments and. Uh, like, it was like, he's trying to roll the thing all day yeah. long. <laughs> well, we start, that was, that was exactly what we're making. Alan, it's not a kayak. Keep the open side up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we had a blast. All of us had a blast. It was good. It Watching was each other fall and struggle and. And I mean, even still, you know, when everybody's all of a sudden, everybody's standing and going the right direction. It was like, yeah. huzzah, yeah. you know, <laughs> big hoots and hollers when somebody would get down a swift and be still be standing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Because I mean, if you're in a canoe doing something like that, you're like, oh, big whoopty. Yeah. But I mean, you're, you're standing up and. Oh, it's a big difference. Now, one of the, one of the skills that we were taught is how to slow down and stop using the pole. It's called snubbing. Yes. Where you lean forward and you stick the pole out far in front of you into the ground, you plant it, pull it out, plant it, yeah. and you slow down, right? Like if you're a beginner skier coming up the lift, you want to jam your ski poles in to stop yourself from moving forward. Yeah. Boom, stop. I had n no problems learning that to begin with when we were just in the nice calm area, Yeah. right? Learning that. Da -da -da. But once the water started moving, like if you're in a swift or something oh, like that. Oh, it's different, eh? Yeah, it's totally different. It's yeah, because I'm sitting there going, okay, just plant and pull, plant. And also, oh, geez. Yeah, so <laughs> pole it's skipping off the bottom. <laughs> yeah, so you have to, when you're snubbing, you have to learn to almost like let the pole flex and use your arms as shocks. 
but also it's not just the fact that you're stubbing and, and stopping the canoe movements. Sure, you can easily stop the canoe moving, but to keep it pointing straight up and down the river without slipping sideways. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, the only reason I did that is because I was on a rock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to say that pulling the canoe standing up is a real nice way to see the river. It's a difference, eh? It's because really different than sitting up because you're standing just that much higher and yes. you can see over the bank and stuff like and that. And it's one of those things, like, I don't know how many times as a paddler, you come up to a swift or something. So, you know, I tell my wife, okay, hold still. I'm going to stand up for a sec. Warning. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, you know, you stand up, you get a look at the swift. You see, you look over the beaver dam, see what you can see, and then you sit back down and you paddle more. But your lim your vision is always just a little bit limited mm -hmm. because you're so close to the water. And it's amazing what the few feet difference makes when you stand up and you can just see that bit further, see over that next little you know, yeah. bush or, or the beaver dam or just down the swift. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, that, it's very nice way to see, see the river. Yeah. Um, so after our first day and our wrists were sore and our elbows were sore and our arms were sore and... We were all so happy that we learned everything that we needed to know to be able to cruise down the river. Um, we were all pretty eager to get out the next morning to do a nice river run. And we were, we were looking at doing about anywhere between 12 and 18 kilometers. Initially, yeah, he said that the full route that he had planned was between 18 and 20. Yeah. That, that was the initial plan. Yeah, it was the plan. <laughs> but what being the first, and, and this this is the thing, he was happy about us being the first group. Yeah. You know, I mean, knowing what we're doing and being paddlers and being good moods and, and joking around, that sort of stuff, and just going with the flow, no pun intended, um, was <laughs> he he could do that. Him and, him and his paddling buddy, Bill, who accompanied us on uh, the Sunday trip, Alan Drummond uh, couldn't make it on the Sunday, but um, Stephen had his buddy Bill Spitzig, uh, Spitzig come and, yeah. and help out. He's he's a, his assistant teacher yes. uh, at this. He's quite adept at, at polling himself. He's very skilled himself, yes. Um, I guess he, Stephen, when he, when he thought, yeah, we can, do, we can do this in four hours, so we should be able to take these guys. But I guess he never took into account that as the day went on, we'd be stopping and he'd be showing us how to do certain things. And, you know, helping us out as we yeah. went, right? So that four hours, they could have done that. That turned into a long day of us getting 12 kilometers or 11 kilometers. Yes, and I, he said that he took into account the fact that he was going to have to show us certain skills and how to ferry and, and whatnot. But he, I think what threw him off was the initial half kilometer of Swifts that it took us, I think, an hour and a half to get down that first 500-meter yeah. section. Yeah, that was, that was a bit uh Because everybody much. had trouble controlling the boats in the right direction and, and and learning that those first initial skills on flat water with with no swifts or nothing. It's, oh, we would have been easy. It's yeah. easy. But it was it was an introduction to swifts and, and a little bit more rougher water a little bit too soon, I think. But we got through it. We did. Um, yeah. We, there was the one section there where he was teaching us to ferry across. And, and I got, I was, I was doing it. My, uh, one problem I was having was getting, my canoe was, my canoe was the lightest one there. I mean, yeah. you guys all had these like 80 pound Royal X, tough stuff, yeah. whatever, you know, white water. And I had my 37 pound prospector. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kevlar, <laughs> you know, basalt fusion thing. Yeah. So yours is way so too mine twitchy was, in the water. Yeah. Way too twitchy. So... And he, the, the only way I can explain it, if you're in, I was against the shore. If you're in your driveway and you try to back out onto the street to go down the road with the flow of traffic. Yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to do is back out and then swing the front end around and go down the river. Yeah. Instead of pulling straight out of the driveway and going, right? And by doing the back out, the current caught the back of my canoe, yeah. rammed it in a rock, and I went right over. And that was the <laughs> one bad fall. I've got bruises. I thought I jammed my wrist pretty good. You know, I was, I was concerned that maybe I had 
done some some serious damage to it. Um, I just sat there, shook everything out, sitting sitting up to my waist. I'll just sit here for a minute. Uh, but then Bill says, you know what you want to do is do it the other way around. Bring the nose, if you're facing upstream, bring the nose of your canoe out into the current. Let the current carry it around. Mm-hmm. Plant your pole, your pole and, and just let it carry it around. And I tried that and oh. <laughs> and it was just little tips like that. Like they would pick out little things. Yeah. Well, that's why you're having problems. Here's how you fix that. And here's what you're doing. And then later on when I was showing, when I, when I did it and Stephen had saw me do it, he said, I'll give you another part of that. Stick your pole way out to the side, lean on it a bit. And as the current starts to swing the nose of your canoe around, use your feet and yourself as a pivot point and just turn yep. that canoe. Give it the force to turn. And the front end just came whipping straight around and I was down that river. Yeah. And I'm like, Wow. Another revelation. Another, yeah, another little revelation there. So, yeah, you know what? When it came to pointing stuff out like that when we were doing our river run, they were excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, just giving these little... And Stephen, they would, the two of them would, would switch back and forth. Yeah, they took turns in the front of the group and back of the group. Yeah, so and did, pointing out little yeah. things and helping all, all of us. So They you were know. both very observant, even when you didn't think they're watching. And sometimes I would try to get away with something. And, oh, yeah, and, and, and Stephen, you know, keep your two hands on, on that pole. pole. <laughs> it's like my kid with hockey, keep two hands on the stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when I thought he wasn't watching, I thought, oh, I'm going to try this or try that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Like we were learning ferrying. We were going down some easy stuff. We were, you know, learning. And by the end of the day, um, as we were doing the last couple kilometers on, on the river, like it was like, oh, well, there's rocks there. I can just push to the side here and twist over here. I can do, And you're just starting to do it like naturally, yeah, yeah. you know? And that's the one thing I said after the first like couple hours, I'm thinking, I hope by the end of the day, I can look back at the beginning of the day and go, I don't know why I found this so hard. Oh yeah, I know. And that's exactly yeah. what it was. By the end of the day, I'm thinking, oh, why was this This hard? is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can figure this out, figure that out. Um, now that's not to say that, you know, we're cruising along and you don't see that one rock because the light is, and all of a sudden yes. your canoe and just jams on it and all of a sudden you're lurched forward. That tripped me up a couple of times. Like yeah. there's, there's once where I was coming along and... I, I, you get tired towards the end of a day, right? So I wasn't paying attention and uh, I was in a Royal X canoe and I, I came up on some rocks that I couldn't see. They were like an inch or two underwater and the canoe came to a complete stop. But me standing up, inertia, did not. Yeah. I just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> so I piled into the front of the canoe. I managed to keep my hand on the stick, but uh, I, I almost lost it. And but it was uh, it was quite embarrassing to like if it wasn't for the yoke I probably could have caught myself but I wasn't able to step over the yoke in time so I just tripped over the yoke and I just landed in the front of the canoe. Oh, I smashed. <laughs> okay, little hint from your pal Sean at Paddling Adventures Radio. If you are going to learn how to pull a canoe, <laughs> stop at like play it against sports or something like that. Pick up some shin pads for like soccer players and slip them on, baby, because your shins <laughs> are going to get hammered. Actually, what I think you would, I would, do, for me, what I would do is... Uh, wrap yourself in bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get those, that black uh, insulating foam that you oh, put, on, put on plumbing pipes. Bill had that on yeah. his yoke. So you can get like one inch or two inch thick stuff and just wrap the yoke in that. Yeah. And then you can put your shins against it. It gives you a little bit more control. In the end, what I did is just because I kept bruising my shins on the yoke, I just always stepped back about six inches and I kept away from the yoke. That, and that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was just keeping that little bit back. Yeah. But I mean, there he's teaching you. You know, you want to be close to the yoke so that the the front end balance point down down. Keep the nose, keep the tail up when you're yeah. going downriver, and you step way back when you're going upriver, so that your nose is up. You, that sort you of want stuff. Yeah. The 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 point of the canoe that's meeting the flow of water needs to be up in the air so that the flow doesn't. You know how the nose of a canoe is more pointed. If that's pushing into the water, the water is going to grab it and it's going to shove it around. So you got to keep that raised up. So you want to keep your body down river whichever yeah. way down river is um well so so we started in inglewood on the credit river yep. and ended up about 11 kilometers later in terracotta yeah uh it was a really good run yeah it was an amazing run i've got a bunch of new scratches on my canoe <laughs> i saw but those. you know what though there's lots of scratches but they're not gouges well this is good 
This which is, is good. good. I don't yeah. mind the scratches. Yeah. It's the gouges that start to, to get you. <laughs> I even looked at my canoe. He says, are you sure you want to use that? Uh, yeah. But you know he what? He questioned it. He's, he wasn't sure that it was a smart idea. Yeah. But hey, you it know what? Out. I knew. Yeah. I, there was a, I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. You it's have there no to be duct tape patching a hole in that canoe. It's there's, perfect. Yeah. There's no <laughs> holes in that bad boy. So uh, the one thing or a couple things I got, I got to say there is a lot of people on the banks of the river, people's houses, uh, people just walking, bridges over yeah. top, people at parks, people at trailer parks and all that. Everybody that saw us pulling by stopped and watched yeah. and gave a double take. Honestly. And the questions, the like, comments. I felt like I was in a car accident. Do you know how you people watch car accidents? I felt like you I can't was a, stop, I but felt look, like yeah. I was the car accident because they were staring at me. Yeah. Because and well, and, everybody stares at you anyway. <laughs> there you go again. So, but no, seriously, what what's interesting though is, and it's uh, it's endemic of of you know time passing generational stuff. Like there, a lot of this stuff came about pulling canoes in New Brunswick and Maine, down in the Maritimes and stuff like that. It was huge. They were not so it was didn't really hit Ontario until the resurgence, right? So this was a very common thing to do. This was mm-hmm. how people made their their money, how they how they It was drank. a job for this them. This was work. So a lot of this these skills were old, old skills. So once canoeing had this huge resurgence like when when canoeing became popular in what the 60s and yeah, 70s like total and recreational then the 80s hit and white water started getting popular yeah. and so everybody's paddling everywhere so a few generations you, you so a lot of the old logging skills started dying off in the 20s and 30s and 40s and and so a lot of these polling skills started disappearing and now when we were out there you could tell that there was people who had never seen this before just yeah. like me before you saw this article a year ago, I had never even heard of it. I didn't even know it the was only a polling thing. I saw was like in Venice in a gondola. Exactly, and that's what we were, this. As soon as we started doing that on the very first poll when I planted in the river bottom on Saturday oh, morning. So the mule. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's just this thing where generations of you no know, exposure to it, people forget that exists. So people are looking at us, probably saying. What newfangled thing have these people come up with, right? Yeah. But it's an old thing. It's an old skill that's making a slight resurgence. And and if we can help, I'd like to see it brought back. It's uh, I think it's an amazing water sport. Well, the number of comments that we've received since between Instagram and Twitter and our oh, Facebook yeah. things saying like, wow, this looks like a lot of fun. I think next summer, Stephen may be a very busy fella. <laughs> Which you I know? think he would be very happy with. I think I'm just going to set myself up as a instructor guide. Yeah. And I'll just start passing people off of him and take a cut. <laughs> 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 no, you know what? Like, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better instructor at all. We really couldn't. No, we couldn't have. You know, he knows his stuff and he's showing us stuff. He, you know. His passion, his personality. Big time. Yeah. And we had such a great time. And yeah, the people along the banks looking at it, asking questions and stuff like that. And how yeah. far did you, how far have you guys gone today? And, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, we're about 10 kilometers back. And and there was actually very few, very few smart Alec comments. I only heard one all day. And there was one guy, he was in this trailer on the shore, drinking a beer. He says, aren't you supposed to be sitting in those? Yeah. But except for that one guy, everybody else was fascinated and yeah. they had a lot of questions. Oh, and every time there was people walking across a bridge. Yeah. Oh, they stopped. They, they freeze. They stopped and we're like, like what's well, going on? You don't do that every day. <laughs> you know? Uh, Stephen did make a point of saying that whenever you have a good wipeout, you can pretty much guarantee there's going to be people watching. <laughs> the first time I fell, I looked up on the shore and there was about eight people watching. And they were all looking down saying, well, what did <laughs> what you What do you expect? think was going to happen? <laughs> the first thing they tell you, don't stand, stand up, up in, in the canoe. boat. You know, and here we are standing up all day, all day long. Um, The only two, (laughs) the only two things going through the golf course. Yes. Matt almost got beaned by a golf ball. It was close. And so the first day, 
he said the uh, Stephen was saying that you know it's just recommended to wear a helmet. He prefers we wear a helmet until we learn the skills. Don't want to knock our head on a rock or knock our head on the right. tunnels or something. So like that. So we all wore a helmet the first yeah. day. Yeah. So the second day, most people took them off. I think everybody took them off second day. Yeah. We both. He told us we had to have them in the boat yeah. just in case we yeah. got to a section we weren't sure yeah. about. We could put it on. Yeah. So when we hit that golf course, as we we're coming down, Matt was in front of me and Bill was in front of him, and I saw a bush and some grass move suddenly. It's like, oh, that was a golf ball. And I could hear the golf clubs hitting the balls. Whack, mm-hmm. whack. And then I didn't see it because it happened right in front of Matt, but it hit the water and Matt turned around. And he says, I think we should have our helmets on. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'm just picturing it. There's everybody's going down in a line in front of me and all of a sudden, boom, somebody gets taken out by a golf ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have laughed and laughed. I just would have, I don't care who it was. Well, I would have just been laughing. My you got to wonder off. about the guys on the golf courses seeing all these standing up people in canoes going by. And it's like one of those moving targets, just like on a driving On a driving range, range going for the guy, the guy in the tractor. <laughs> the guy in the tractor collecting the balls. It's like, hit him. Get him, guys. But it was surprising though. Like it's uh, going down past that golf course for almost a kilometer, kilometer and a half. Mm-hmm. There was golf balls everywhere, everywhere in that river. We used to collect those in the river as kids and sell them. Well, if I ever go down that river again, I'm bringing a snorkel and I'm going to start collecting. Like, honestly, I think we could have picked up about, I don't know. 40, 50 balls. Easy. More than that. A couple, like, I don't know. like a, There's a lot of crappy yeah, golfers out there. I couldn't even guess how many. There's way too many. Like in some spots I saw like a dozen just in a, like a four or five square foot area. I collected up a bunch. Oh yeah. When 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 uh, when Matt's wife showed up, uh, I gave some golf balls to their kids. Oh, that's right, because they kept sticking them in everybody's pockets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only other sort of thing, the two dogs. Yeah. Now the one, the guy, I don't know the if you saw one, you guys. No, he did that on purpose. I was one thing. He threw a stick out, and the dog jumped offshore, right into the water, into next the deeper to us. area, yeah. and right next to you because guys. Because we and, came up. Uh, three of us passed by. So the dog came out of the water as we were approaching. Mm-hmm. We looked up. I looked up at the guy. He was looking at us. And then as I went by, the stick came flying into the water again, about 10 feet from Stephen. And the dog landed. And Stephen almost jumped right out of his boat because the dog landed less than 10 feet from his canoe. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he did on purpose. <laughs> and then the one time I was uh, I was coming up the rear of everybody there and um, just take my time. And all of a sudden this dog on one of the properties comes oh, yeah. ripping out bark. And I thought he was going to come in the he, water. The dog after. was not impressed. No, he was not. He didn't like <laughs> canoe polers. So, but you know, I had this 12 foot pole. I could have just kept, you know. Yeah, you could have kept him off. <laughs> it's all, it's, next week's episode will be on canoe polling and jousting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but all in all, it was absolutely fabulous. Oh, I am amazing. so happy that I found that article and was able to track down somebody that we could get out as a group and learn to do this. And yet everybody at the end of the day, uh, we're all so pumped on the end, uh, before we, you know, at the end of the day on Sunday yeah. saying like, I got to figure out how, where to get the a nice piece of wood that I can get my own, exactly, pat, my yeah. own pole. Yeah. And how am I going to do, can I get it into two pieces? Cause I want to start taking this on canoe trips mm-hmm. and oh, I know where at home I'm going to go. And, and I mean, Matt, he's in Guelph. Yes. So, I mean, he's, he's going to, no, he's in Waterloo, right? But he's, he's right there. He's close. He's yeah. 10 minutes away. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's got all that right there. Yeah. He's going to be able to hook up with Steven and, and figure out where to get a pole. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get my lathe going and maybe turn my own out of, uh, I want to try, cedar might break easily, but I want to try it because it'd be lightweight. And mm-hmm. otherwise it's uh, like you were suggesting, make it out of ash. And it's, the thing is, is for 12 feet, it's very hard to find a dowel 12 feet long. So if we can find something to join the two piece, like two curtain rods together and turn them down a little bit more and put ends on them. So, you know, like a, a two piece pole with uh, maybe go to a, a, a paddling store and get the uh, kayak uh, connector pieces. Yeah. I just want to be able to hold them and go, look, ash pole. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's what I do. So, you know what, um, if you guys are looking, we'll, we'll put all the information on our, yes. on our sites. But even if you have other questions, like contact us, email us. Uh, we'll even know. send you Stephen's uh, email address. Absolutely. And, yes. you know, you can send him an email himself and ask all the questions you want. Yeah. And if you're looking to learn some new skills, I mean, there's still time this year, but even next year. Yes. Definitely think about checking it out and getting a group together and head to Guelph and, uh. 
Yeah, and learn and it. If you want to get a hold of Stephen, he's not hard to get a hold of. You just contact Paddle Canada and ask for one of the two yeah. <laughs> instructors. In or, the or you go on to their because they also have apparently a uh, hire an instructor section yes. drop down menu. Yeah, and you just look for him there. He's, and he's listed there. right there. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, you know, Stephen and uh, Bill, thanks very much. Uh, Matt, Dwayne. Thanks Alan, for joining us. Thanks for joining us. I had a good time. Alan, we bugged you about your uh, your kayaking, but hey, we're glad you came out and uh, hopefully you get that canoe out a bit more. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to be trying this again. Oh, absolutely. So let's take a quick break here and uh, we'll be back. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio and enjoy the great outdoors. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Um, we went into the canoe polling thing talking about, you know, we've done a episode 37. We talked about canoe polling. Another thing that we've talked about before was Oru kayaks. Uh, we thought those were pretty cool because they're, uh, they're a folding up kayak that you can, you know, great for urban paddling, that sort of thing. And when we talked about the Oru kayak, one of the things we wondered was, would they be any good other than just urban paddling? So outside of the city, outside of the city harbor, you know, uh, if you're in Venice going up and down the canal sort of stuff, could you use it for a wilderness expedition? Could you use them, uh, you know, like cruising up and down the yeah. sea? The, How the do they sort hold up on more open or challenging water? And I believe when we went down to... Uh, Complete Paddler. The Complete Paddler. The, the, the owner of Complete Paddler, went, they went to what, Bali or something? Uh, was there or Dominican? Yeah, they did yeah. some sort of open ocean crossing. He said he was very, he felt very confident in the capabilities of the Oru kayak on open and more challenging waters. Well, there was a team put together by, or I guess by Oru kayak that attempted to paddle from Cuba to the U.S. They attempted it would be 30 to 40 hours. And the plan was to do it entirely unsupported, as in they never touched the support boat. There was a support boat yeah, there, there was they never support touched boat it. For safety. Um, they did it smart. They did all the right stuff. Yeah. So they had to carry all their food, their water, sleeping, never sleeping, um, relying on each other and the paddle for anything that came up. So there was four of them that attempted the crossing. They used the Oru's Coast XT kayaks, which is the big, are the big ones. That's the one I'd said I'd, I'd get. Carbon paddles, spray skirts, float bags, PFDs. Uh, they had deck bags, compasses, custom skegs. Yeah, they were Lights, more open water. pumps, yeah. sponges, the whole schmanozzle. Yeah, they were prepared. Yeah. By late afternoon of the first day, two of them began to slow down, uh, worn down by skeg issues. Uh, and the unrele- unrelenting heat, it was like 85 degrees <laughs> under the, the bright skies, yeah. right? So worried that their slow pace would hurt the rest of the team, they, they pulled out, they bailed. Which was, you know what? If they're feeling that tired and whatnot, it's it's better to do that. Um, a few hours later, the third member fell ill. So out of the four, the third one, he's two are gone. One's not feeling that great. So sunstroke, seasickness, bad food, maybe who knows yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. And so he eventually just said, you know what? I'm done as well. Yeah. These one guy left. So this was like, you know, uh, late afternoon, early evening. Yeah. Now, so, so it's not like, even a full day yet. Yeah. Uh, the fourth and final member paddled onwards for hours deep into the night. The winds picked up to little more than 20 miles per hour. The seas started to rise. Large five-foot swells, lightning storms surrounded the boat. They figure they'd either completely missed 
the thunderstorm on the the radar, or or the, it fact, just changed. changed. They just unpredictable. Yeah, very unpredictable. Uh, and the weather continued to deteriorate, and the paddler, tired from his accelerated pace, uh, I guess the middle of the night, by the sounds of it, began to struggle to eat and drink. Fought sickness for almost an hour, threw up a few times, and then finally he just made the decision to call it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's from the perspective of doing it, it's, it's quite the challenge. Yeah. Open water, right? It's open water like that. So, I mean, heat. the fact that he's going through these, these big swells yeah. and everything, I think that answers our, our question. Yeah. That, yeah, this could be used for something other than yeah, just it's urban interesting paddling. That, yeah. So, and what's interesting is the fact that the kayak is not the limiting factor. It was the human condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it, it's it's good to see that. And the other thing you take from this is go try something yep. because you know what you maybe you'll succeed, maybe you'll fail, but at least they knew their limitations and they called yes. it called it properly. Know when to call it. Yeah. Don't push it too far. Which is definitely what you want to do. So anyway, um, yeah, I guess that would. Pretty much be our show this that week. That covers our show. That covers everything, man. We talked too much on the first part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a good part. Yeah. So if you want to find out more, uh, check out paddlingadventuresradio.com. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff there, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find our old uh, past uh, shows on in iTunes, Google Play, and on the episode page of our, of our uh, uh, website. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.